Welcome to Backroom Talks. As a coach or business owner, to find someone like that can challenge you is just so important. The next level of that is kind of like you becoming a mentor, you be coaching coaches, or because you're like, okay, I got to get like my shit together. Like I can't like tell you to do X, Y, and Z if I'm not doing it. You yeah. know. To listen to more backroom talk, be sure to subscribe. Learn to design personalized programs with the OPEX system of coaching by heading to opexfit.com. Meg Sweet, welcome. Thanks. A lot of uh, a lot of you guys have probably heard Meg Sweet's name, but you have never seen her face. She's the face behind getting into OPEX. I know I felt that way when I first, uh, you know, had hundreds of conversations with you on the phone, and then <laughs> finally saw your face, and I'm like, "Hey, you actually look how you sound." So, oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So welcome. Thanks. So Glad let's, to be an AZ again. Yeah, let's yeah. Uh, let, let's start with uh, how did you how did you get into OPEX OPT? Like, what's your Georgia called it your origin story? Mm-hmm. What's your OPT mm-hmm. OPEX origin story? Yeah, so um, I was a uh, just kind of like just started coaching at the time, and a bunch of other coaches at my gym were you know following big dogs which was like the cool blog back in the day. You didn't have to quote unquote that. It was actually called Big Dogs. Yeah, Big Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> the OPT Big Dog blog. And mm-hmm. um, so we would do those workouts and um, we're like, what is tempo? You know, like take you like 10 minutes just to figure out like what, you know, up three seconds, down two seconds. You do it wrong a bunch. But anyway, we had a lot of fun. And um kind of a community was forming like in Atlanta, which is where I was at the time. And I was, um, I like accidentally qualified for regionals. And I'll say that like in 2011, I never competed. Um, and we went to, uh, regionals and I was prep, you know, I was prepping for the, the regional and I was following the blog and then met a bunch of other people with big dog shirts down at the dirty South regional in Jacksonville that year. And, um, then that following, fall James had a big dog bash at CJ Martin's place in San Diego and like all these CCP coaches were there which what at the time I think there was like 150 people who had done CCP and uh I just knew that was something for me like I was about to start running my gym as the head coach and didn't have a clue how to program uh could show up and coach a class felt good about that but programming was freaky for me and doing personal training I was like if they ask me about this workout like I don't know so um so that's how I got into CCP fast forward quit my corporate job um showed up I took a job at Lululemon as a showroom manager was in Vancouver that weekend came here the next weekend for my CCP training and freaking was the most amazing time ever like you guys both I'm sure experienced right you remember your first time at OPT. <laughs> OPEX. Thank you for clarifying. I was like, I do remember my first time. Are we time. sharing that? <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, sort of that, th- it was life coaching, and this guy at the time was teaching, his, his name was Bernie, um, and he was sick, and so he couldn't make it, so we just ended up with like two extra days, and I ended up doing a consult with James, and was like, can you coach me? Regionals is in like six weeks. Every, if you're a coach, you know, you like get the guy six weeks before and it was open, open was six weeks away. And he's like, well, we'll do what we can. 
and which which was pretty easy because my snatch was horrible if you if you ever saw a video of it you would be like that's an easy fix um and so we started that journey uh he became my coach and after regionals that year I got a got a an amazing I'll never forget I got this email I was at getting ready to go into the gym and it was like what are your plans uh we're gonna bring a group here would you like to move out we think you have potential and I was like uh yeah <laughs> and then I kind of had to go through that journey of well I just took this job at Lululemon oh my god I'm gonna let people down blah 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 and this girl that worked for me was like they'll find someone else which you know, I like to be important. That was kind of like my ego at the time. I needed to be important. And I, that like hurt my heart. Like I'm not replaceable, but eventually I, I decided, yeah, I'm coming. And, um, so here we are. And now I'm an AZ for, you know, first time it's hot as hell moved in the beginning of August. Uh, my now husband was my roommate, a guy, Matt Bryant, who was a coach for OPEX at OPT back then. We were all living together. It was like the real world style. And um, there's four of four people that worked at the company, um, Max over at, who's now a training think tank, Natalie, um, James, JT, and myself, and just started having fun, and um, it was good times, yeah. So when you came out, was it to uh, specifically compete, or was it like, hey, come out, compete? We also have a job for you here so you can make a, a couple dollars and and, be, and and you can feed yourself or was it were you like i'm coming out here with no job and i'm just i just want to make make regionals the games again next year yeah so like when the first email came i had no idea i thought i would just transfer to lululemon but um being a, a showroom manager i couldn't go back down to just being an educator and, and it was and actually that was the best thing somebody said to me it was like no we're not going to support you because athlete is your priority so um, when that happened, I contacted some gyms, worked at uh, the guy was a CCP coach as well. We went through our nutrition module and, uh, Leanne James's, uh, wife was like, I've got, you know, I can do like $15 an hour, give you some odd jobs, whatever. And you, if you want to get clients through us, you can do that. So, um, you know, that was it. I mean, you just kind of, I came down with about $3,000 in my bank account, <laughs> which was pretty scary. Um, we were, oh God, this story is pretty funny. So Matt, he knew a guy from Springfield where he lived, whose like sister lived in a house. And this was during like the housing crisis. So in Arizona, like all these houses were for sale and they were in a short sale process. And the guy's like, yeah, you can rent from us uh, $600 a month. So we get there. It's like nasty. There's like paper shavings on the floor and it was not, not like a really nice place to live. We had nothing. We had... Um, we literally had nothing but our beds. They had blow up beds. And um, I was like, cool, we can pay $200 a month. So we get our first job. I get my first job. Every kind of gets a little bit of job going. We're making, I'm probably making like 1200 bucks a month. And uh, we kind of got together. And I said to Matt, Brian, I was like, hey, you guys think we could like go to Goodwill and get a couch? And he's like, I just saw one on the side of the road. <laughs> and he's like, but I don't have any money to put gas in my car. And JT was a professional poker player in the past. So he had, he had some savings and he's like, all right, I'll put the gas in the car. And we pick up this like couch and we put it in our living room. None of us sit in it like ever because we're like, this is gross. But we at least had a couch. Then like a week later, look, I'm like, did someone spill rice on the ground? And they're like, no. And the rice is moving. There's maggots in the house. And we're like, we clean them up. We go to work out. 
four or five days later, four times as many maggots in the house. And Matt and I are like, oh, JT, we got to be at uh, we got to be at training with James at 830. You got this, right? And we leave and make him <laughs> clean it up. <laughs> he was so mad. So two days later, we moved out to an apartment. But I would have gotten that uh, I would have gotten that couch out of that apartment as soon as possible. Once yeah, I, I don't think those, it was the couch. Once I first saw those uh, moving rice modules moving mm-hmm. around the ground. They just came with a place, huh? <laughs> yeah. I don't think it was the couch. It was just bad timing. So. So it wasn't a super glamorous life when you uh, when you first moved out here. That's what you're no. saying. No, you just like if you want to do something, you just have to do it and figure it out. Like I see so many people try to. I mean, I do this too, and in certain ways in my life. But they try to like get everything in place before just like just no. I'm gonna commit. Like this is my word. It's gonna happen, and I'm gonna show up every day until it happens. You know, and and that's what it was, and that that lesson carries on forever. So. What did you learn and uh, I suppose what did you do as well uh, being a part of the uh, athlete program out here? Yeah. Oh, gosh. What did I learn? Um, I was the only female. So it was me, Danny Nichols, a guy named Moses Cordova, and Colin who had already, you know, he'd been a, he was probably the, had the best stats at the time. Like, um, and Matt, we were the people training in the morning. And James and Max were our coaches. And so I had to get – thick skin because I remember it was like our first test where I had to do a 10 minute assault bike test right and I've like really felt like I laid it out there and Danny's like you didn't want it you didn't even go hard you weren't even you were fine after and I like cried you know in the bathroom <laughs> he, he made me cry a lot um but it was just learning to like I don't know be tougher and um want it and like silently let that like fire burn inside of me to where like regionals that year, like I placed higher than all those guys. And I was like, hell yeah, you know? Um, but training with the guys was the best because they made it fun and it was competitive and it was like do or die. So, yeah. What, what was like the, what was the important thing for you at that time? Was it like, cause I know CrossFit was fairly new to you at the time and mm-hmm. you, you saw that you had a lot of potential. You were good at it. Um, was the, was, were you like, okay, I'm going to go out there and, and dedicate my life to CrossFit and fitness? Or was it like, I want to go to Arizona. I want to experience some cool things. I want to be around these people. Like, what what was your mindset? Why did you come here? Was it to be the best athlete you can be? Or did you just want to experience different things? I think it was two things. I think one, it was just, yeah, be the best athlete I could be. Because being a coach and running a gym, I didn't have anyone coaching me. for Like, the moment I, like, became good and became a coach – Nobody coached me anymore, you know, and so I like like the snatch look like, you know, nasty. Um, so to have someone watch those reps and like really be on me was awesome. The second thing is just I wanted to learn from James, mm-hmm. you know. I think being a coach and ha- having the like at that time, James was in my mind, and I think a lot of people's minds was like one of the best, if not the best, coaches in CrossFit. I mean, he's taught so many of the top coaches today like if you just were to look back and be like who were their mentors like he, they directly studied under him or like whoever their mentor was did so I think I just wanted to learn and soak all that up and and I did I learned so much from that yeah yeah James is like the sorry Georgia you're not gonna get this one but I think Meg will. James is like the Bill Belichick of CrossFit. I know. Yeah. He's a coach. Oh, yes. We're, yes. <laughs> you watch America? Yes. We're getting there. We're getting there. We there. Go. You guys are going to watch my like gradual uh, education in uh, American sports. Yeah. 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 And I say that because Bill Belichick's like this guy that, um, you know, back in the 
90s he was coaching the Cleveland Browns and mm-hmm. you know he ca- he like built this system and then eventually went to the Patriots and then all of his assistant coaches not all of them a good amount of his ass- assistant coaches just went on to be like these amazing head coaches in different places and that's how I see James right mm-hmm. like James started this thing and then you see all of these awesome coaches that were built from you know James's lineage if that makes sense mm-hmm. and uh you know James and I have talked about that in the past and he uh, he gets a really good feeling from that, like seeing those coaches out succeeding, even though they have nothing to do with us. And, you know, some of them don't give James any credit, but it, it's cool to look back at. Oh, yeah, that that coach was in CCP with James and, you know, 2010, 2011, 12. So, yep. yeah, he's, a, he's the Belichick. He is. And, and the thing is, I think it's it's something to be said about like a coach that can actually develop people because the sport was so new. Like someone could just come in and be like a gymnast and just walk in your gym and you get lucky. And there were a lot of coaches back then that they had clients like that. They would just like make it to the games. But James would take these middle of the pack regional athletes to the top or even just like, I don't, I'm not saying like Marcus Philly wasn't like a really great athlete or like McGoldrick, but you know, they were that, they were like top 10 or whatever level at regionals. And I don't know their stats. So sorry if you're watching, but <laughs> But they made it to the games. Like, it was like to be the third spot, like, that took something. Like, one and two, you know, they were they were separators. But that third spot at the time, coaching made a difference. Mm-hmm. But people didn't and yet in this industry, in the fitness industry and CrossFit, see that. And yep. James was so far ahead of his time. You know, I was like 45th in the Open in 2011. I don't know, probably like 20-something in 2012. But I was, you know, like 14 the next year and then – 10 or something like that. I don't even remember. And mm-hmm. then to go from 22nd in 2012 in the Southeast, which was actually like a way better regional. So, um, to seventh, like that was huge. You know, people, even people were like, well, like you, you progressed a lot. Um, and not just like, Oh, I got fitter. Like the way that I thought about training, the way I approached workouts, the way that I dealt with life outside of it, you know, like that to me is a coach. Not just like, oh, a cool, I wrote a good workout. You know what I mean? And even going into CCP, like people who participate in CCP, that's what like people come out of. You know, like I got to think about how to actually like work with this unique person, this unique personality. You know, for me, like James was like, he figured out like, oh, I just tell her she can't do something and she's going to like die trying. Other people, you do that to them, like they shut down, Mm -hmm. you know, And, and to see him navigate all our different personalities. And then in 2000 and 13 fall Amanda came and Gabby came and um you know dealing like how he approached other females yeah walk yeah. us through so you came here you got out of the maggot maggot infested maggot. uh <laughs> infested apartment um you know you you kind of just walk through how you improved over those years kind of give us some insight into what those years look like like how was it competing here with the team how like what 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 were your individual successes or failures in CrossFit while you were kind of in that, you know, I want to be the best athlete that I can be? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, um, I got lucky in a lot of ways in that um, I grew with the sport, right? So like 2011, like, you know, no one really had a handstand push-up, you know, so I was like, cool. Or you could get, you could make it to regionals without a muscle-up, which I did, Right. Um, and so I got to develop with the sport, but it's, it was like anything, right? It was like, and then it like took off. And between, I would say, um, 
2013 and 2014, I really saw that. And then the next year they went to the super regional and, um, I made the, the, it was hard to, to realize like, no matter how I couldn't do any more work. Like I couldn't do any, I was doing three sessions a day, right? Like it was my whole life and I was not going to be able to do what, like say Amanda Goodman can do in my training. And it was awesome having her cause you know, um, she was probably like one of the best training partners I've ever had, right? Because she was, she didn't make me feel like a like a loser. Every once in a while, I beat her on something, right? <laughs> Very hardly ever, but it was, um, yeah. I think realizing I I don't I'm not going to get to that place. And okay, now I have a choice. Do I keep you know? Do I ride this thing out, or or do we like band together as a team? And so it was like Danny and at that time Shauna. And Aaron Carter came and Jim had moved here and became our sixth guy. And um, having to say like, okay, like I'm going to hang up. I, I made it as an individual. We all did. I'm going to hang that up and I'm going to go as a team to the game because ultimately I wanted that game's experience um, and knowing I wasn't going to make it as an individual, you know, was that's, that's, that's a hard thing to go through, I think. Um, and I was burnt out. So in 2014, you guys remember grid it was called like yeah. mpgl or whatever and james was a part of it and he bought this team and so like we all we all went to the tryouts and i remember i pulled 345 on a deadlift and I, it wrecked me it was like the week after the open or something and my nervous system just like it just was like declining as regional was approaching i was hanging on by a thread um i peered my back squat like two four i peaked too early i just i knew i knew it because I knew what it felt like to peak, and I peaked, like, the week before. Mm -hmm. And I showed up in Utah, and, you know, we're at altitude, and, like, all of my times are worse, you know, going into day one, you know. And it was, like, mentally messing with me. And I, and I you know, I was uh, just started dating my husband, who's not J JT, who, James Taylor, who's now my husband. And I remember being in a workout, and this guy is, like, no-repping me over and over. And I'm just watching this whole season, like, go down the drain. You know, I don't know if you guys have ever experienced anything like that just in the moment. And, um, and I was like, man, I'm love. Like, why am I doing this to myself? And I think that rewind, you know, how I got into, to, I wanted to belong when I, like CrossFit, I got sucked into it to belonging. And I felt that in that moment. And then, and then everything kind of like someone just pulled that string out. Right. And I was like, my identity was like searching for years after that so um but I still miss performing like even talking about it like I'm that like three two one go like like there's chaos around but it's so quiet for me you know that period where you were floating and searching mm. following uh the string unraveling yeah what did you try to use to fill the void in that period um so after we went to the games as a team um, I think I turned at that point, I think I turned to competing in my mind of like growing OPEX. It became, it became like my next thing. Um, I remember I wrote on the board like thousand CCP coaches or something. Um, and that's what I, that's what I put my energy towards. Um, yeah, I still trained. I floundered for years probably. Uh, at least three or four years, competed at Wadapalooza that year. Um, but it was done. It was just, and I'm like, when I'm done, I'm done, you know? 
Like I might struggle a little bit once I finally get to them done. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if I've ever, like, I still haven't found anything to put in that place. That's like a fitness pursuit. I've been kind of just playing. Um, but yeah, it, it turned into, it turned into like less about me and more about, okay, what impact am I going to make in the world? Like I've reached my maximum physical potential. What do I want to do now? Can you share a little bit about what your impact has been since that point on OPEX and the and the many coaches that have uh, come out of CCP? Gosh, yeah. I mean, um, so, you know, there's four people. And then, you know, now we've got, like, a, t- a team of 12, which is cool. Um, we have have over – we're getting close to 3,500 coaches that have gone through CCP. Uh, the first iteration of CCP at the time was, like, the best, right? And, and it's grown. And like, I think we're all really proud of the version of CCP that we have. Like, I feel, I think if you would ask me in like 2017, oh, like a certain question about CCP, I'd probably be like dodging that question. Um, but now like, this is a legit course. Like it's, it should be like a $10,000 course in my mind um, because of peop- what people get out of it. And I, and I think, um, yeah, like it's hard to talk about like what I've done because it's not just me. It's the whole group of people that have come here and been a part of it. And we've had like some challenging people on the team over the years that haven't been good fit. But like right now, like you guys, I love working with you guys, you know. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. If, what do you think? <laughs> no, I'm just because uh, we know what you do now, right? You're, yeah. You're here as CMO, but what was your initial role inside the company? more broadly like what did, what did you first do uh made the first coach's toolkit posted the blog um hung the picture wall you know like whatever they needed me to do I didn't and coached um I remember had to uh like now there's a salesperson down there for big dogs and but at the time you know like we had to email anybody who said they wanted to work with James who didn't want to work with Max like it was like all right here's the leftover people and go find those clients and couple of those clients, you know, I had seven years. I got one still, so. Where, where did coaching fit in for you? It, throughout everything, throughout moving here, you know, working at uh, the CrossFit gym that you worked at, then putting all your time into being an athlete and eventually, um, you know, focusing on growing OPEX. Kind of talk about how coaching played a part in each one of those iterations. Yeah. Um, when I first got here, it was like, that was it. Like I, I was coaching classes. I was personal training. I was personal training at OPT. I had, you know, 12 remote clients. So that, that was it. Like I did. And I had, you know, maybe five, 10 hours of just a little bit of marketing stuff I would do. Um, but then over time that kind of like flipped. And I think that, and I see this happening in CrossFit a lot. I think that when I stopped competing, I, didn't want to coach people in CrossFit anymore, you know, because it was like my own stuff I was working through. Um, it wasn't as exciting or fun for me. And, um, it's, it took time for me to like figure that out again of like, Oh, why do I really want to coach people? And it went back to my original love of coaching, which was watching people's lives transform outside the gym. So like who I work with now is, you know, women who are tired, who have bad lifestyle things, who feel, you know, they're in their thirties. They're like, I can't do like the fad diet anymore. Their forties or, you know, um, and that's who I like to work with. So it's, it's just, you know, I think I'm, I think I'm at the phase of my life where I'm like finding myself again, instead of being like, believing I'm like this lost athlete still. Is it, is it 
do you like working with those women specifically? Because is it one of those situations where, you know, when you go through an experience and you're like, shit, if I would have just known this, is it Mm. a little bit of that or is it not connected to your personal experiences at all? Yeah, I think that, um, I think that going back to like 2009, when I started coaching, what I realized is like, it's not all about eating less and exercising more. So I had that personal experience, which is what I wanted to work with gen pop people. Um, I just saw people just punt, like straight up punishing themselves with workouts and then depriving themselves of food and like what that does to your hormones, what that does to your happiness, what that, how that carries over into your self-worth. Um, so I guess, yeah, I mean, I think most coaches are probably in it because they had a personal story. I, um, like for me, fitness started in high school. It was like spring break and I would just like crash, you know, diet and work out twice a day. And just like, I just didn't like myself, you know? I mean, like, I think that if you do that to yourself, you don't like yourself in some deep level. Maybe you're not willing to admit, but I didn't, I didn't, I just saw all my flaws, you know? And, um, and then eventually that didn't work anymore. And yeah. for me, that happened at 23, you know, and my, I remember sitting in my doctor's office and she's like, well, I can, uh, she's like, you just need to eat less and exercise more. And I'm like, I'm eating 1200 calories and I work out twice a day. So I'm pretty sure I'm burning what I'm eating, if not more. And she's like, well, I can get you a diet pill. And in that, mo- it was like that light bulb moment for me. I was like, doctors don't know stuff. Like I got to like take my life into my own hands. And I had this coach at the YMCA who's like, you just got to trust me. Like you need to eat more and this, your body will relax. And so I kind of was like, well, what do I have to lose? Right. And then I found CrossFit and I did paleo and I was like, oh, food quality matters. And then fit, the fitness became about fun and eating became about nutrition and like supporting my body. And then like, of course, all the other stuff followed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just to be that person as a coach still matters to me for other people. You did, know, you, did, you make, did you make any of those mistakes after you know, you, you had that aha moment with the YMCA, mm. uh, coach or personal trainer. Um, you know, so throughout your entire time where you like, I'm on it, I'm eating enough. I'm, you know, I'm training a lot, obviously, but I'm fueling myself properly. Like, do you, do, did you experience any burnout? Did you experience any hormonal, uh, fatigue or issues because of the way you were eating and training throughout the, throughout your competitive years? I th- um, Yes, in the beginning, I was like, oh, I have to eat paleo, right? <laughs> everyone, That's why I asked. Everyone was doing that <laughs> because I was like, you know, you're trying, I was trying to be healthy and then performance. And I think James really was like, I actually remember Marcus coming to town. He's like, you guys eat white rice? You guys eat um, ice cream? We're like, yeah, you know. Um, and once I gave that up, like, yeah, my performance, I had to just give up like health and perform because being an athlete isn't healthy, mm-hmm. you know, um, at all. Um, like at all. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And then, you know, then coming out of being an athlete, you have to like go back to being, eating not that food, you know, mm-hmm. and dealing with that. Yeah. You spoke about that again, like unraveling and that just nervous system crash that you went through. Were there lasting health consequences from pushing your body like that? I don't know if they're lasting. I mean, I used to think maybe they were lasting. Um, I think that our bodies are so smart and I think that they just want homeostasis. I think we're designed to survive so we can reproduce. Um, but I have dealt with, um, I do, I, I had, um, 2016, I began to get tinnitus in my left ear, uh, which is kind of a nervous system thing. 
Um, I had chronic migraines every afternoon about four o'clock, which is now what I know is a very, it's a hormonal kind of a thing. Um, I didn't have any menstrual problems. I was very regular. Uh, we got pregnant, like we were like, Oh, let's have a kid. And we got pregnant like the second month. Um, we lost our first child at 21 weeks, our first pregnancy. We don't have any kids yet. Um, and that was like a, whoa, okay. I thought I was healthy. Uh, maybe I should go to the doctor and start to investigate that. Um, yeah, that's still, I'm still working through that, you know, that loss. It sucked, um, big time. Um, and then I got pregnant like three months after, and then I had another miscarriage. Um, and my hormones just didn't recover. And, you know, pregnancy is like really a lot of work, um, in a different way than like competing in a regional weekend, but it feels like that when you're, for me, it felt like coming out of regionals after, after that, where you're like depressed, you should be right. You need to recover. Um, they found a, a, a large cyst on my right ovary, um, that ended up being operated on. It wasn't cancerous or anything, but the loss that ovary. So, you know, the 2019 has been, that was a rough year. And then you roll into 2020 with COVID. Um, and so I'm still, uh, kind of, I think rebounding from two pregnancies, losing an ovary and, um, do I think that's from being an athlete? I, I don't know. I, I think that I, I'd have to go back further in my life and be like, yeah, I was in high school and I was overtraining and I lost my period. And then in college, I like, I'm just the kind of person that's like, when I do something, I do 100%. So in college, I was like, I'm 100% partier. I'm going to drink all night. Like I close bars down. I smoke cigarettes. I smoke cigarettes like up until I smoke cigarettes on my way to Jacksonville. Do you, like, you see the finger thing? She's like, she got it. I was like, like ooh. <laughs> me and my training flashbacks. partner. <laughs> flashbacks. <laughs> me and my training partner, her name is Beck. She's, uh, she probably doesn't care. She smokes cigarettes too. Like we rode down and it's just like, I don't know. I just, I never, I was kind of like a dumb athlete. And then I just figured whenever I needed my body, it would change. And um, I still kind of believe in my body that way. Yeah. But it sucks when you're like going through or it's not where you want it to be. And I've had a few moments like that in life. My body's like, <laughs> Okay, we need a break. Yeah, I feel like a lot of a lot of the narrative in, you know, in let's just say competitive fitness as a whole, being in that thing as a female, I think when when you're done doing it, everyone just wants to look back at that's the reason you're unhealthy is because of what you did to your body and blah blah blah, right? It's like not a lot of people think like, "Oh, maybe my body is resilient enough to do some things and recover and me not having long-lasting effects there." So I like that you're not just blaming the fact that, oh, I competed and, and I trained a lot on like all of your, your health issues, right? Exactly. Or like not even health issues, but like, you know, you, Challenges. Lo- yeah, you losing yeah. a couple of pregnancies and stuff like that. So, um, you're just an investigator, right? Yeah. So it's like this thing happened. I need to figure out why it happened. And none of that shit lines up with you did too many snatches and pull-ups. That's, that's why it happened. So I can appreciate that, that mm-hmm. you're just, you're continually investigating this thing and. You're not going to give up and you guys are going to get pregnant again. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a little, hope. we're going to have a little sweet baby. Yeah. James <laughs> is like, let's do twins <laughs> and, uh, one and done it, you know, yeah, just, just make up for, yeah. <laughs> make up for lost time. It's like, let's just get two out, yeah. be done, get out of here. Yeah. And then we have, apparently have twins in our family. So, yeah. you know, you don't know, you never know. Yeah, yeah. Dade, what are you doing right now? Um, in this investigative process for your own fitness? Like how, what's your mindset and approach at the moment? Um, so when it comes to getting pregnant, 
you know, it's, it's a very feminine thing, which is different than being an athlete. Being an athlete is very masculine, I think. You know, it's like, this is my goal. I'm in the pursuit. I'm single focus. Like, I'll make it happen. Work, 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 grind. Um, but getting pregnant is the opposite is what I've learned. Or like, the more I try to make it happen, my body is like, yeah, fuck you. I'm not even going to ovulate. <laughs> so, um, so right now I'm trying to just actually live my life again. And I think I went through this period during COVID um, where it's like being alone is not good for me. I'm a, I love people. Um, and not having that like social outlet was tough. And so it became about if I can't lead people or like be in community, I'll go really like it's like my Virgo moon. I'm in astrology is like, I always have to like fix things, you know? Um, and I just kind of, I tried to like really fix it. I did like this mercury detox and I like did vegan for two weeks because I was like, okay, I maybe need a protein dealer. And I think all that stuff was actually really important to do. Um, because like I smoked cigarettes and drank like crazy and took Adderall and stayed up all night and whatever I did in college. Um, and then went right into competing. I'm sure my liver was like, fuck you. Right. <laughs> but, um, but now, yeah, now I'm just like, what is fun? You know, what is, what is fun? Because that's what CrossFit was when I started. Right. It was like, it was just fun. Like I didn't, I didn't have to fix anything. I was like, I'm just playing, you know? And I think as we get older, um, it's probably why they say you should do mushrooms in like your thirties. Right. Is cause you're, you're, you're kind of like fixed at that point. And I don't want to be fixed. Like, I want to be constantly growing and, and exploring new things. And I think that's what we're all struggling with with COVID. It's like, I'm looking at the same four walls, like, every day. Like, it's like me in the trees and that same squirrel I see every morning. And I'm starting to be like, this is getting a little weird, you know? Um, so, yeah, just like, what could be fun? New hikes, new foods, pleasure. I think the Japanese have it down with, like, cat places where you can just go and like have cats crawl over oh, you. Oh, that's my like <laughs> absolute heaven. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I don't, I'm I don't learning think there the... could be anything further from pleasure for, yeah, for me. A bunch mm -hmm. of like cats on me. You don't I'd, like cats? Oh, no, I'd be <laughs> super stressed out. <laughs> they, they like walk in their own litter box. Uh, well, they are nice, but yeah. they'd be covered in fur. And like, so like Mike said, like cat piss too, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so just fun. I think that's, you know, just being, staying at Carl's this weekend. He's like, all right, this is the workout. And I'm like, oh, this is so fun. I'm like, do we have to only do an hour? Because I can like, do it for like five hours. Yeah, it's, it's been a fun weekend. And yeah. Uh, yeah, we were in Sedona the other day and Meg brought back the Vortex. Yeah, I brought the Vortex back apparently. Put the good energy in. <laughs> so what's next, Meg? What's, um, you know, Georgia asked that in, in your fitness, but what's next for you? Um, you know, professionally, personally, all of that, like, what are you looking forward to? So like professionally, I mean, that's what I spend most of my day doing, right. Um, is just taking what I do and duplicating it and, and like just building the team out. So we're not under resourced, you know, the more, like the more I can like take something and give it away, then it's like, okay, I can go create something new. Um, which is not necessarily my innate way of being. <laughs> like, 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 I want to do that and that and that. Yeah. I could do everything. <laughs> and then, like, I can't really. Um, that matters. Um, 
I love talking to people. Like I love, I've, I was just like calculating. I was like, it's probably been like 20,000 coaches I've talked to, you know, or people wanting to become book coaches, people all over the world. You know, we all have the same struggles. We all have the same concerns as coaches. We all have dealt with the same failures or we like think we're not going to fail. And like I talked to you two years later and you've done that now and you're ready. And um, I definitely want to keep doing that. Like it just lights me up. Um, and I love like coming up with like content or cool ways to like get that content out with Georgia and you and like um, just having time for that. And then, um, you know, I, I, I took like a little coaching sabbatical in person, but I really miss it. And so I got to like figure out how that's going to be. Um, remote coaching's cool. Um, but being in person is another level. And I think we're going to see that in the fitness industry. You know, like I think everyone's like, oh, I want to be a remote coach because I can like go to Fiji and like program <laughs> from wherever. And it's fun for like a year. And then, you know, for most people, something there's just not the same as like sitting in the same room and like sharing our bacteria. You know, there's mm -hmm. like um, could go down a rabbit hole on that. But yeah, I want to get in person. Um, there's a really cool gym in the Atlanta area called Noble Clay, which is, um, you know, they're they're working with under-resourced uh, um, areas. And, like, you know, there's potentially going to be hopefully another one coming a little bit closer to where I live, uh, getting a little word of that on the streets. And so hope to be involved in that a little bit. Um, and I'm getting my yoga teacher training cert, which I want to do. I got really into yoga because I couldn't, couldn't wait train for a while. And, um, yeah, I just want to explore different types of fitness, different, I've been working with a woman who, um, has been doing some pelvic floor stuff with me post-surgery and, and like using a Pilates reformer. And I'm like, oh, like I can like use my body like this and my core is so much stronger. Whereas I just sort of like willed through everything, you know, cause that's my default. Um, so that's what I, that's what I hope to do is just keep exploring, um, as well as like, you know, I think I'm really passionate about mental health stuff too. I think that a lot of us, at least most athletes I know deal with something. I don't know. Do you guys deal with any like anxiety or? Oh yeah. And I yeah. absolutely love to bury it like in oh, yeah. a tough workout. Of course. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's why I think the, the chaos of the workout is so, is, is the peace zone. It's you great. Know? Now I just go and beat people up. So mm -hmm. <laughs> even better. I want to try jujitsu. Yeah. There's a place by my house. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm 34. I'll be 35 in a couple months. But I I feel like I haven't had time to, like, sit back and, and be anxious quite yet after my athletic career because I just did, like, I – and maybe that's my default, right? I'm like, okay, I have to do the next thing. What's the next thing? So maybe I'm – unintentionally just doing a lot of things to like keep my brain full um so i don't have time to miss the thing that i did last right and mm -hmm. and we've, we've talked about it a few times even on, on this show you know uh going from football and then being like okay what's more exciting than football it's like i'm gonna go to the military <laughs> it's like you know what's more exciting than just going in the military i'm gonna go to a higher level in the military and then you get you know what i mean so it's like you know, over the past 10 or 15 years, it's always just been this and then this and then this mm -hmm. and then this. And the thing that I do next, I always love more than the thing that I did last. So I haven't really, no, I mean, the question or the answer is no, I, there's no anxieties from like, you know, missing anything in the past because I, I always feel like I'm doing something better. Mm -hmm. So yeah, maybe, maybe when I'm 45, I'll, I'll look back and think like, 
you know, shit, what I'm doing today, I didn't enjoy as much as, you know, when I was 34 and having this conversation with you guys. Yeah, I think it's also, I don't know, like, you know, some people might be like, oh, Carl, like, what are you running from? But I, I mean, I know you, I don't think that you're doing that. But I think, um, I think that if you are a leader, if you have that innate ability, um, it's not good to work on yourself too much. You know, I think, I think there's like a saying in the yoga world. It's like, I don't know if this is going to be a parallel, but I might be reaching. But if you, if you, um, if you don't have time to meditate, you need to meditate. And if you don't have time to work out, you need to work out. And there's like this yin and this yang energy. Right. And so I think that, um, if you're always working on yourself and in like, you're not fulfilled or like you're never reaching somewhere. It's like, go do something in your community because you're never going to achieve that, Mm -hmm. whatever that version of yourself that you think you should be. And if you're someone who's always working, you know, on external things, like maybe you need to do a little bit of internal work, like to find peace and fulfillment and satisfaction, you know, because you're never, you get to the thing and you're like, ah, this isn't it. And then you're just like, I don't know. Um, No, I, I completely agree with you. And I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of different personality types and you get a lot of fulfill- people get fulfillment in different ways, of course. Right. But I think there there always has to be a level of even if you are that person that finds fulfillment in helping other people, you have to still find time for yourself. Yeah. And I did. I did go years and years and years without finding that time for myself. And I didn't realize it. Right. Like you're, it was just like this numb feeling mm-hmm. in the back of your head where you're like, yeah, everything's OK. And then you get to a point and you're like. I need to reorganize my entire life. You know what I mean? And um, I think that's super important for everyone to, sp- to spend time with themselves and reflect on things and think about what they want to do, mm-hmm. who they want to be, how they want to do those things, how they want other people to talk about them when they're gone and little things like that. Yeah. And like there's a lot of realities that come that come when you start to think about how will that how, how will this person talk about me when I die? Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh man, that person might have some negative things to say about me. I need mm-hmm. to clean that shit up, you know? Not that you need to go around caring about what uh, what other people think, but I think it's important. Um, so yeah, I agree, the yin and the yang and, you mm-hmm. know, working, you know, even if you are a leader, it's like putting other people before yourself sometimes, but, you know, ultimately you do have to put yourself before everyone else. How old were you when you had that, like, that, like, oh, I can't, I need to, like, look at myself? Um... Gosh, not that old, or sorry, not that not that young. Yeah. Um, it's probably thirty-two. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it was like it's pretty recent, you know. And and I thought everything was good, you know, from from you know all that all that time before you know turning thirty-two. But it was around that time, and I'm like, man, I need to like take a step back and reorganize everything and reor- reorganize my priorities. Yeah, because, like, when you're younger, you're just exploring. You mm-hmm. know, you're, like, bumping up against the limitations of your environment and yourself. And I think when you get to around, you know, for some people it's, like, 27, for some people it's 32, I think there's that time period of life where, you know, your prefrontal cortex is fully formed. <laughs> you know, I'm sure it has something to do with it. And um, you do have to, like, say, like, oh, like – who am I? Why do I do this? And do I want this to be like, if you want to keep growing, because I think it's so easy to just fall into like, I am this way. And then you're just like surviving until you die. And that just sounds horrible. Mm-hmm. You know, 
2020 has been a big year for that for uh, yeah. many people, I think. Yeah, but I don't think it ever stops, though, Meg. Like, yeah. to your point where it's like the, the pre- prefrontal cortex is done developing, but I don't think, like, we stop developing as human beings at that point. Like, you know, if we if we do sit here five years from now, there, there will be another iteration of that where it's like, oh, I was numb to this thing, and then I had this, like, mm. realization, and then everything's fixed and I'm good. And then five years later, it's the same thing, right? It's like once we stop growing, that's when like we stop breathing. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So I just don't think that we'll ever get to a point. No one's ever gotten to a point as a human being where they're like, I'm the best that I'll ever be at everything. You know what I mean? And I'm not talking just physically because we, we, we're probably. I don't know. I think some people we're, are kind of like cool to just. Just, they don't know. Float. Groundhog day. It. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying uh, potentially, right? So it's yeah. like when we look at what our potential is. Like, I don't think we ever stop growing. We can be 85 years old and, you know, we're declining physically or we have declined physically, but there's a lot of wisdom that is still mm-hmm. still happening inside of our heads. But if we're just like, we like you're like you're saying, like Groundhog's Day, we, we wake up, we sit and sit on the couch, we turn the TV on and we do that every single day. That person is now declining physically as well as mentally, emotionally, yeah. philosophically, everything, right? But the person that's like sitting up, reading, talking to people, uh, teaching others what they've learned, they're like growing through all of those mm-hmm. actions. So, yeah, I think uh, I think this this shit will happen forever, you know, the, the and, growth. And I think our I think like the OPEX community is like having lived here and this like every day coming here and then moving and not having that that like be my constant environment and going back into like normal world like this isn't normal like people don't most people don't seek to grow and be a better human every day like this is an an extraordinary way of living like ordinary is to like do the groundhog day you know like survive and I think we forget that and I think that like why people want to be a part of what we do or like even any kind of gym is that you're it's an environment to be challenged and be better and progress and progression looks different for everyone I think the principles of fitness I mean, they carry over into life in so many ways. You can just draw upon that. And if we want to keep growing as people, we want to keep enjoying life. We want to keep having fun. Like we have to like wake up every day and be like, I don't know. And that's the hardest thing to do because our brain just wants to know and predict and keep us alive. And, but that's not fun. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That, that, uh, OPEX, uh, you know, culture and, that desire to live a larger life uh, is so one of the things that attracted me to uh, to OPEX, to like wanting to move here and be a part of that. Mm. It's like so much the fitness world places a huge priority on just growing the physical and to be around people that really put massive priority on emotional growth, on growing relationships uh, and growing in so many other ways outside of the gym. Like that is such an exciting thing to be a part of. Oh yeah, it's contagious. Like people want to be happy, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, just look at the people you hang out with. If you're not happy, look at the people you hang out with. Change it. Yeah, that's where I was going to go, right? It's like, you know, I can sit here in this room and be like, okay, Georgia makes me more of a perfectionist because she's such a perfectionist, right? So when I'm I'm doing something, sometimes – Georgia comes to mind where it's like, is that thing spelled wrong? Did you say that properly? (laughs) She just fixed my spelling errors. Thank you. I hate spelling. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, you know, if I, if I wasn't around Georgia on a daily basis for the last couple of years, it's like that, that voice probably wouldn't be in my head. Right. You know, when I think about uh, what Meg has given me, you know, as a person and how you've helped me grow, um, it's like, you know, 
what's next. I always have that what's next moniker in my head where Mm. it's like, what's next? How do we continue to improve this thing? How do we continue? So I'm like thinking about that on a daily basis and, you know, just preparing for, you know, our Monday meetings every week. I'm like, I go through that process for 30 minutes Mm -hmm. really quick before jumping on. So that's, that's what it is. It's like, who is around you? So imagine if you had no one around you that was never challenging you, that wasn't better than you at something, right? And you were just like on your throne and you're just like the man or the woman Mm -hmm. in your group, you wouldn't grow, right? You wouldn't grow because there's no one there to challenge you. There's no one's voice that's going to be in your head, right? That's that's how we grow as people. And as, as a culture is we're around people that are better than us at something. Yeah. You know, if we were to sit here and say, I'm the best at everything, we're fucking lying, right? Yes. So yeah, I think that's so important. And it's so easy to do for, like I just, as you're talking, I'm thinking about coaches and gym owners, right? Like it's so easy to just be the man or the woman like leading your 150 people. And it's like, well, where are you going for that? Like, where are you going? You know, people get stagnant in running the gym and they, you know, um, and then they, they leave. But it's, if you're going to be a leader of a community, you, you need to be around other leaders. It's like so important, you know, who are going to challenge you. Yeah. That's what, that's what attracted me to, to OPT back then, right? Like jumping on those early calls with you. It's like, I was in my little bubble and I felt like, I felt like, uh, I went an amount of time where I was like, life is good, right? Yeah. Like I'm really well respected by, you know, coaches and, and owners and, you know, clients in this community. And I felt like I was like almost at the top of the totem pole. And then I got this feeling of like, I'm not growing anymore though. Right. So I need to yeah. like join this other community. That's that, that's going to make me even better because I'm looking at people and I'm having conversations with people that are better than me, that are smarter than me. Yeah, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I think that's important for, for coaches to do all the time is to, and that's why mentorship is so important, right? It's like, I, I got asked the question a couple weeks ago. It's like, what are the benefits of having a mentor? Like, what do I get out of that? Just mm-hmm. globally, not for anything mm-hmm. that we do. And it was like, you get out of it, whatever you want to get out of it, right? Like you don't hire a mentor with like this itinerary of things that they're going to make you better at, right? Yeah. It's like, the it's it's a it's a give and take it's Mm -hmm. like there's so much benefit to just jump on a call with someone or to sit face to face with someone and have a conversation and bounce ideas off of them and allow them to challenge your ideas it's like there's so much growth with that right so as a coach or business owner to find someone like in your community or outside of your community that can challenge you is just so important so important yeah and and you know and then like the net and then it's like the next level of that is kind of like the people that you're like you becoming a mentor, you be coaching coaches or, and, and letting them challenge you because I mean, you guys know this, we all manage people here. Um, it's like you're, when you're accountable to another human being, it's, um, it's like some of the best growth because you're like, okay, I got to get like my shit together. Like I can't like tell you to do X, Y, and Z if I'm not doing it, you know? Um, so it does just, even if you are, you know, the only person in your town, like people are still, I think you can still grow from the bottom up, but I think there's, I think you're on it. Like there's, you need that middle period where it's so easy as that technician to think like, Oh, I've arrived. Like I know everything now. It's mm-hmm. like, no, you don't. You, there's still more yeah. to go. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And I'm sure like, as I'm talking, I'm going to look back to this on YouTube when I'm like 50 and be like, what an idiot. Like I didn't know anything back then, <laughs> <laughs> you know? 
so nice to sit down and have this conversation. It's yeah. long overdue. I mean, we chat on a daily basis yeah, we pretty do. much, but uh, really good to get you uh, here in front of the camera and uh, let some of those coaches who chat with you on the phone um, see the face, uh, face behind uh, that call. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We'll probably do this fairly often, I would, I would suspect, right? A couple I think times we a year. certainly should. Yeah, Chit-chat, yeah. chitty-chat-chat. Yeah. That thing. Mm. Awesome. Thanks, Meg. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. It. Yeah.